Amen. You know, these, these mouths that used to frame words that were not church-friendly, let's put it that way, that didn't honor him. One of the testimonies and declarations of his power to rescue is when he changes our vocabulary, in a sense. May your ears hear a sweet, sweet sound coming from these lips. And what is that sound? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to give you praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that time of worship and the strength of those words. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a relationship with somebody that you felt like was so right, so strong, so profitable in a sense of your inner being, your inner person, that you never thought that relationship would end? But it did an ex-spouse, an ex-business partner, an ex-employer, an ex-friend. Puts another twist on that old country song, all my exes live in Texas. That's why I hang my hat in Tennessee. The Lord knows those places that have broken our hearts. And it's relationships. It seems as if so many, many times that we, we can have the most difficulty figuring out what the rest of our lives are going to look like in the absence of that relationship. The Bible is full of stories of broken relationships, but it's also marked by some amazing stories of how God heals a broken relationship. Now, I want to ask you to take your copy of the Scripture this morning, and I want you to go with me into the book of Acts and find your way, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 15. And let me start reading in verse 36, Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Luke writes, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, now remember those two names, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. That was the first missionary journey. They've had a break, and Paul is recommending a second trip. And Barnabas, verse 37, and Barnabas was desirous of taking John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose 
such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. Verse 39 again, and there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him, and then Paul chose Silas and departed. Now, you talk about the godliest of the godly. This is first century church. And yet these two men, one driven apparently by mission and the other driven apparently by mercy, find themselves at such strong odds with each other that at this point in time, they could not go on together. There is, there is a backstory to this event, and we, we miss the impact of these words and what is happening here if we, if we don't pay attention to the backstory. Barnabas was a nickname. Barnabas was a name that meant son of encouragement, son of encouragement. He was a Levite, Acts chapter 4 says, Levite by Cypriot birth. He had a piece of property, had some land. He sold the piece of property and brought the proceeds and laid them at the, the apostles' feet for the proceeds of the sale of his property to be distributed to whoever might have a need in the community of brand new believers. That, that's Act 4, Acts 4, the son of encouragement. You skip over to Acts chapter 9, and Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor of the church, everyone was afraid of they, because of what he had done. He, he, had, he had been the one that, that um, was, the, was the keeper of the garments, keeper of the coats, when the Jewish leaders, leadership incensed and raged at Stephen took their coats off and laid them at the feet of Saul and went and stoned Stephen to death for his testimony regarding Jesus Christ. That was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He, he had gotten permission from the Jewish leadership to arrest, put in jail, whole families, children separated from parents for those that they deemed followers of the, of the way, this heretical group, followers of Jesus. He was, he was a, an extremely strong personality as a young man, and everyone was afraid of him who opposed him. But Jesus met him on the Damascus Road. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom, whom you are persecuting. From that point on, he, he saw something, someone he had never seen before. He gave his heart to Christ. The power of the Spirit filled him, and he was transformed. But he wanted to try to connect with the church in Jerusalem. Nobody wanted to see him. They were all afraid of him. Except for this one brother named the son of encouragement, Barnabas. Barnabas found Saul and 
listened to Saul's story and then took Saul himself, Barnabas, before the apostles and said, you got to hear this guy. <laughs> you got to hear this story. He saw the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and he's been changed, and he's been testifying of Jesus in, in, in Damascus, uh, and, and, and people are, are amazingly being changed by the power of the gospel. The, the scripture uses the word that Barnabas took hold of Saul. It, it was about physically gathering him up and taking him somewhere, but there's more to it than that. He took hold of Saul because there was something in his heart. The arms of his heart reached out and took Saul and walked with him. Saul immediately got in trouble in Jerusalem, testifying so strongly of who Jesus was that a, that a group within the Jewish ranks threatened to, to kill Saul. They were planning to, to kill Saul. And so it says that the brethren helped Saul escape to Tarsus. Go, go back to where he was from, to Tarsus. Well, some time passed, and, and there, was a, there was a group, of the, the, the persecution around Stephen continued, and, and the church was scattered, and, and, but there were a group of those who were scattered who went to Antioch and began to preach Jesus, but only to the Jews in Antioch. Then another group showed up, and they were also preaching, but this time they were preaching to anybody who would listen, Gentiles, Jews, whoever. So great was the conversion rate, the shaking of that city, Jerusalem heard about it, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch to check it all out. The Scripture describes Barnabas as a good man full of the Holy Spirit, who when he spoke, things happened, and there were many converted to Christ. And then it says that he, after he had finished his time in Antioch, he left Antioch, and he headed to Tarsus to find Saul, to find Saul. He, he could have had not had anything else to do with Saul of Tarsus. He, he had already vouched for him, but there was something in Barnabas' heart towards Saul, and evidently there was something inside Saul's heart that appreciated Barnabas, that respected Barnabas, that was drawn to Barnabas. Here are these two brothers. And then you go to Acts chapter 13. And, and they're gathered together. Barnabas and Saul had been teaching the church there for about a year, around 50 A.D. Hold on to that, that, that statement, 50 A.D., that year, for about a year. Then it comes time in Acts chapter 13 where the group is, is gathered there to, to pray. There were, there were teachers and prophets, and, and Barnabas was in the mix, and Saul was in the mix. And it says that while they were fasting and ministering to the Lord in prayer, the Holy Spirit said to the group, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so they laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul, and they didn't necessarily know what was to come next, but that's what they did. And then it says that they, they took with them a helper, a young man named Mark, named John Mark, named John Mark. Now, who is John Mark? 
Remember in Acts chapter 12, if you would, that, that night that the, that the church in Jerusalem was praying because Simon Peter had been arrested and as James had been executed before by Herod, they were concerned, afraid that the same thing was going to happen to Peter. So the church in mass was gathered in a home and it was the home of John Mark's mother. John Mark's mother. So he, he evidently was in on that prayer meeting when, when the, the knock came at the door after they had been praying and Rhoda, the, the, the servant girl, looked out and she recognized Peter's voice and recognized him and came back into the group and said, it's Peter. They said, you got to be kidding. It must be his spirit, though they had just been praying that Peter would be taken care of and released. There he stood and the church couldn't accept it. They finally did. And you know that story. Peter gave to them the account of how the angel came and, and his shackles fell off and the gate opened and he came to John Mark's mother's house. Fast forward to Acts chapter 13. They make, they're on their way to their first journey. They're, they're, they're preaching and teaching, and, and, and the Lord begins to, to bless, and folks are set free, and the proconsul comes to know the Lord, and so forth. But then as they were leaving, going to another place, it records that John Mark left them. He went home. He went back to Jerusalem. Now, for the Apostle Paul, who is Brother Mission, Mr. Mission, you get folks that have principle in their character, and sooner or later, you're liable to have a conflict of some kind. Here's principle, the principle of the mission, and the principle of mercy. When you read that account that we just read, that there was strong disagreement Barnabas saying, we, we need to take Mark. Paul saying, we can't take Mark because he bailed on us the last time. He can put the mission in jeopardy. And Barnabas is speaking from the mercy in his heart. Mercy and mission, not in the heart of God was there a conflict, but in the eyes of these two men, it's either or in their thinking. But you know what's really interesting about that? Is that there's no place in this account or in any ensuing reference to Paul and Barnabas where either one of these men were spoken against by the Lord. That, that either one of them was doing something wrong in the sight of God. They both could say, the Lord told me. Barnabas could say, the Lord told me we need to take Mark. Paul is saying, the Lord told me we need to go and we don't need to be worried about people bailing out on us, abandoning us. Folks, I, I need to just chase this jackrabbit for a minute, all right? Do you know some of the hardest folks to ever get along with are the ones in the church who can walk up to you bright-eyed and say, God told me about you. Told, told me something to tell you about you that you need to do. Well, if you, 
if you just try to respond to that from their perspective is, well, you're just taking a side against God. I'm speaking for God. (laughs) I'm speaking for God. And anybody that disagrees with what I just said has to be of the devil. Oh, my goodness. What, what, what these two men had to come to grips with, and evidently they did, is that the Lord said something to them, but the Lord didn't say everything to them. In other words, they got a piece of the plan, not the whole plan. Somehow, I think as those men would mature and they'd realize how the Lord works, that, that God has different giftings and different, different perspectives and anointings in the body. And, and if we don't watch it, that the flesh in us and the smallness of our minds can get us just going at each other. Well, it's all this, it's none of that, or it's all this, it's none of the other. In the body of Christ, as these were warp and woof, of the body of Christ, sharp disagreement, but the Lord saw that their division would result in multiplication. Paul and Bar, Paul, Paul and Paul and and Silas would go to Philippi. The second missionary with journey with, with, with Paul would be instituted. An amazing thing would happen, would happen in, in Philippi and in Corinth and, and in other places. But at the same time, Barnabas and John Mark were going on a missionary journey of their own. And the expansion of the gospel was taking place even though these two brothers were at sharp disagreement with each other. Can I offer to you a, a few things along that line. Evidently, there was a, there was a reconciliation of, of some kind. That, that, was, that happened, scholars generally think, around 50 A.D. The letter to the, to the Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, is guessed to, be, to have been written around 52 or 53 A.D., two or three years later. <laughs> And in, in one specific reference in 1 Corinthians 9 and it's verse 6, Paul says this in, in defense of um, his coming to the Corinthians but not wanting to receive any offerings from them. He was a tent maker. He wanted to provide his own living uh, among them, but they've been criticized. Well, well, that's not what the Apostle Peter would do or some of these others that they would take off. So it was as if the Corinthians were just looking for something to be upset about. And, and so Paul will say, is it just Barnabas and me who are not allowed to, to not work for our, for our living? He references Barnabas. Some way or another, there had been been strong disagreement a couple of years before, but by now, there's there's somehow a restoration of their relationship, of their fellowship, evidently. You, You can go all the way over toward the end of Paul's life, and I want to give you kind of how this, how this ends up because it's just, 
It, 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 is, it is amazing to me how the Lord, when he heals a relationship, a broken relationship, he knows what he's doing. This is the last letter that the Apostle Paul will write before his execution. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to this. He's writing to Timothy. He's in prison. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. If those two men, actually those three men, but the two primary players, Saul, Paul, and Barnabas, had never gotten over it, had never gotten past that which came to be a mountain between them at that moment, and if it had never been that, that Paul would come to embrace Mark, how much loss to the body of Christ and to these three individuals there would have been. Do you realize that this, this John Mark, who deserted them, Paul would say, on their first missionary journey, it's that John Mark that is the author of the gospel of Mark in your Bible? And scholars believe, because it is, it is contained, the biggest portion of it, in, in Matthew and Luke, that it evidently was perhaps the oldest, the earliest of the Gospels being written, the account of the life of Jesus. And it was this coming, coming from this young man who, who didn't stay with the course, the first shot out, but by the time Paul is ending his life, Mark was willing to go with Timothy, not just to some rural expression of the gospel out in some country town somewhere, but he was willing to go with Timothy to assist Paul in Rome, the imperial city of Rome, in the very place where Paul would be executed and great persecution would break out against the church, but there wasn't any running from the fray in this young man. And somehow that's what Barnabas saw, felt, sensed about Mark. Mercy. When Saul, Paul, was consumed with not wanting to let the Lord down in the mission. Two or three things I want to say to you that I believe can be taken from the Scripture as it regards the Lord healing broken relationships. Number one, he knows and he allows crisis moments to occur. He, he could stop them, but he doesn't. Many cases. And, and because we will never lose this flesh, this old man, old woman part of us until our body gets buried in the, bra in the grave and we're taken to heaven, our soul and spirit are taken, into taken to heaven, we will continuously have the potential that the old way you used to be and I used to be before Jesus, 
that that flesh, that old man, old woman can come up again and distort, dilute, misdirect the pursuit of God in our lives. And for someone, someone, First John will say, if somebody says, I have no sin, they're lying. That, that, that there's going to be some way to escape sin in this life and, and live a sin-free existence in this life. That's heaven. That's heaven. It, it, it ought to be, and it is, that the Spirit, the more He brings the life of Jesus to control in us our mind, emotions, and will, we, there ought to be less sin than there was before. But to think that we're ever going to escape the, the ability to be tempted and pulled and tested is, is fallacious in your walk with the Lord. So the, these men have had to come to understand that the, that the flesh and the spirit can war against each other and there can be trouble and be, be mountains of opposition that can come as a result of it not being totally led by the spirit, but somewhere in there we're, we're putting what we think and what what we want into it. Conflicts happen. They happen. It, it, it doesn't necessarily matter how strong the relationship may seem to have been in the beginning and, and all of that. And with Paul and Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they were battle buddies. They, they'd seen God do mighty things. They fasted and prayed together. They'd served the Lord and so forth, suffered for the Lord. But there was something that came along that they never expected that caused there to be division. So now what? Now what? Now what do they do? They end up with reconciliation. How did they get there? Two or three things to consider. First of all, the Lord will allow time to pass. Time to pass. Time to Somebody could have tried to get Paul and Barnabas and say, would you, you, would you two men come in here into this room and meet with me? And I want you two to make up. I, I want you to like each other again. I, I, I want you both to just say, I love you, and I'm sorry. And you, you, you can put folks through something like that, and it's as phony as a $2 bill. Do, do y'all hear me? You, you need to just say this. To, if you don't mean it, then don't say it. You know, and the, the, the Lord allowed for there to be time to pass. 50 A.D., when probably was, was the, the general time frame of when the, the explosion happened. But by 52, 53 AD, evidently there had been a measure of strong and clear and lasting reconciliation. The Lord allows time to pass. While time is passing, there are some things that very likely also are go on, will go on. The Lord will call for light, for light to expose darkness. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The Lord heals broken relationships one part at a time. The Lord heals broken relationships one part at a time. Your part and somebody else's part, if they yield, if they're willing, if they're ready. You can't answer for them. You're not responsible for them. 
But what you and I are responsible for is before the Lord what we allow Him to bring to our hearts. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, that means to walk in the light of truth. Somewhere along the line, Paul and Barnabas individually, independently, must have had the sense of what God saw was right and complete about what they had done and the fact they were taking, but, but then also what the Lord would see and would show them it's, it was not the fullness, the complete picture of what he would want. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then it says we'll have fellowship with one another. Fellowship, reconciliation, restoration is tied to both parties getting in the light as God calls it light, the truth, the light of his truth. It may be clear teaching from scripture. It, it, it may be a, a, a further sense of his just showing and exposing an attitude of our heart or what he would want there to be. But somehow there comes to be the sense that we're wanting him to expose where there would be any kind of darkness in us. You say, well, I got a right to be mad. Well, what was done, I've got, to be right to, I've got a right to be mad. James says, the anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. Just to be mad and feel like you're justified to be mad, to assume that that's automatically righteous anger, godly indignation. The heart of the Lord is for Repentance, the heart of the Lord is for mercy to flow, for forgiveness to be extended. But if my attitude is just, you made me so mad, you did me so wrong, you were so incomplete in your response to the things that you said you were going to, etc., etc., I'm mad and I got the right to be mad. And in the process of that, grieving, grieving, quenching the Spirit of Jesus who knows what he got when he got you and me, and realizing that the blood of the cross is necessary to forgive us of our sins, even in our self-righteous blindness. So the mercy of the Lord freshly applied to our hearts. One, he, he, he fixes broken relationships one part at a time. That we may be able to see what that one has done but the Lord would want us to say, Lord, show me. Show me my heart. In your sight. Not compared to anybody else, but in your sight. And then it says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Paul could have stayed ticked at Barnabas. Barnabas back at Paul for the rest of their lives because they were, why don't you, why, why aren't you agreeing with me? I'm saying God said it and you're saying, well, that's not what he said to you. <laughs> and there's the church in so many instances where we get in our sort of armed camps 
because this is what one side believes he said. This is what another side. When, when the Lord is not saying, it's not supposed to be either or. I love John Mark. I want John Mark to grow. He's going to write what the first gospel that's ever written. Paul, you're going to be witnessing in, in Rome. You're going to be testifying even to Caesar's household, and a bunch of them are going to get saved. So it's both. It's not either. It's both. It's both. As time went on and the light shone to show where they were wrong, to show where it was consistent with the Lord's heart, but they came into that place evidently somehow of walking together in the light, and that resulted in fellowship again, fellowship again. So so what's your part? What's my part? I, I can't be waiting on them to get fixed. I, I, I can't. That, that's not my role. But my place is, Lord, show me my heart. Christ see, a crisis, a crisis emerges. Time passes. The Lord desires to send the light of his truth to expose what needs to be corrected or confirmed inside us. But then it's also true that he will help you and me, such that love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's that's Peter, 1 Peter 4. Be fervent in your love for one another and know that love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers it. See, that's why we hadn't been able to cover it lots of times is because there's no love flowing out of our heart. It's it's a function of the Holy Spirit working in your heart and my heart. It is not just a function of me having an ought to imprinted upon our brain by reading a verse of Scripture. To know it is not the same as experiencing it. The love of God, Paul would say in Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. When we, when we repeat this again and again, the starting place for every day, the, the, the continuing point for every hour throughout the day is this, Lord, I receive your promise of the Spirit of Jesus to fill my heart. Holy Spirit, I receive you. I receive you. Because if you get these, if you read these verses about about love your neighbor as yourself, or by this will all men know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. If we read those verses without the sense, the working sense within our hearts, my only hope to live that way and to feel that way and to act that way toward people is that, Lord, you by your Spirit empower me to love them. To to be told, love, 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 and we're trying to do it from within the generator of ourselves, it won't happen. And we live in guilt, and we live in shame, and we live in defeat. But when you realize that the command of the Lord to love your neighbor is the promise of God that he'll give you the power to do it. That's the hope. That's the hope. These two men filled with the Spirit realizing that they were just humans and they're going to be disagreements and they're going to be things that we don't see the same way. But Lord, 
where there has been wrong, where I have been wronged. And the Lord will say that you, you, you forgive the ones who have trespassed against you and you'll receive the Lord's forgiveness. But if you don't forgive them, then you won't be forgiven. So Lord, I, I need to walk in your forgiveness. My goodness, I, 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 I need to walk there. How am I to do it? Fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, I receive you in power to fill me with the ability from my heart, not just out of my brain and with my mouth, but from my heart to release the ones who have sinned against me, to forgive them. It doesn't mean you're softening on your view of what they did that was wrong, that maybe it wasn't that bad. It may be 10 times worse than you or I know. But forgiveness means to release them, to let go of them, to release them unto the Lord. And the sin is between that person and the Lord. Peripherally, it affects us. But ultimately, it's between that person or you and the Lord. Love covers a multitude of sins. If you think you're going to finally find a perfect friend somewhere... (laughs) or find a perfect husband, or a perfect wife, or a perfect pastor, or a perfect whatever. Heaven, heaven is our best shot at that. But down here, down here, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And it's only by the power of Jesus alive in us that we are any different at all than we were before we received him as Savior and Lord. He gives the power. He gives the power to cover a multitude of sin. I've known of ex-wives, ex-husbands too, married to a Christian partner. At least that was the testimony. That was the declaration. It was a Christian wedding. They lived in church. And then somebody else came along and, and things changed. I've, I've, I've sometimes listened with my eyes wide open and my mouth just agape at the stories that they would tell of how the Lord gave to them the ability to forgive the woman who stole the husband, in a sense, or the husband who was unfaithful in all of these different areas and, and not repentant. Maybe no change at all. If there was reconciliation, it wouldn't be husband and wife again, but it could somehow be a relationship as a brother and sister in Christ somehow. Those stories of how God can do that in the face of the worst abandonment, the worst abuse that God, by the power of His Spirit, given a wife the ability to release the woman or to release her husband and the same way with, with the, 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 the husband with regard to the wife. And you know what that means? Is that you, live, you can live the rest of your life without carrying the load and the weight of whatever that is, waiting for them to finally get judged, waiting for the shoe to fall. They're going to finally get it. Or, or knowing that you shouldn't be feeling that way, but it's, but it's real in your heart. Lord, I'm asking you to give me something I don't have. I don't have an ounce of it in this situation. That you would give me the ability to love them in such a way 
that it covers their sin. Until you cover something, if it's a hole in the ground or it's a great big old granite rock, until it is covered, you're going to either have to walk around it or try to climb over it, but it can dominate your landscape. But when by his mercy, he gives you the ability to forgive, to, 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 to love in the sense, loving the brother, loving the sister in Jesus, loving them at that point, all the rest of this stuff has come later and it can, it can, it can foul the atmosphere certainly, but the Lord never intended us to have to live our lives plowing around offenses. Cover it in the name of Jesus by the power of his blood and his love. Love covers, and this was written to the church, love covers a multitude of sins. There's some of you listening to me and saying, that's impossible. It is impossible if you're listening to it with your ears, with what you see is possible of you. That's what we're saying. The Christian life as it is intended is an impossible life. It's impossible unless the helper helps us. And that is, folks, the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father. I promise you that I will give to you, I will release into you the power of the resurrected Christ to help you just receive my promise. Why, 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 do we, why do we have such a hard time with that? It, it, it isn't about having to work our way up into some spiritual level. It, it, it's about, Lord, you said it. And I'm standing right here in the middle of all the stuff I'm going through with the things that aren't right in my heart, that I want to be right in my heart. And I'm saying to you, Lord, I receive your promise of the Spirit of Jesus in power coming to help me. You say, well, I'm saved. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about forgiveness. I'm not talking about the mercy and the precious blood on the cross. I'm talking about power. Power. Not forgiveness, but power. And in order for the Lord to do his healing work, he's going to need to do it by his power working in us, or it won't happen. Because our old man, the human part of us, will hang on until we've drawn our last breath of resentment, abandonment, all of those things. But when you see it, he allows this. Time is passing. But he's doing a work to show me my part. Show me where I need him. Show me where I need him. And then we receive, by faith, his promise to fill us, to be able to forgive, to be able to let go, to be able to not carry something forever. Here's just another part of this. Time heals. He'll send it, allow time to heal, light to expose the darkness. You'll cause there to be the working of love in our heart to cover. They may never have repented. They may never have said anything about being sorry or making restitution. But on your side, he heals a broken relationship one part at a time. 
love covers, but then the Spirit prompts. He causes the Spirit to prompt when the time is right for the reconciliation to be completed. So what do you mean? Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said to Timothy, you bring Mark with you. It might be a text. It might be an email. It might be a phone call. It might be a knock at that door. But the spirit of Jesus within you, when the time is right, and your heart is in the place. Whether if, if, if nothing happens on the other end, you're still good. You're sad that there's been no reconciliation, restoration, but you know it's right this way. You know it's right there. There's peace in your heart. It's right this way. Sadness there. You miss them in a sense. You, you want to be with them. And the Spirit prompts you to do something. It needs to be the Spirit's prompting because he's the only one who knows what's going on in them. And the Lord can say, I remember a man saying one time um, a testimony of an evangelist, a fellow by the name of Freddie Gage. Some of you may remember that name, but Freddie was desperately ill in a Houston hospital. And there was a man, or was in the Fort Worth hospital, and there was a man, a preacher, that, that he had gotten into some disagreement with, and it was a strong kind of deal. Freddie was a fiery, you know, street preacher kind of guy. And this other fellow was a, was a nationally known preacher and teacher, and they were both strong men. But I remember Freddie saying to me, he said, what are you going to do when a man just won't stop loving you? That man that he was at odds with would come every day to that fourth Fort Worth hospital every day that he could get into Freddie's room and just speak blessing over Freddie. Freddie, I just want you to know I love you and I'm thankful for your life and you mean so much to me. You've taught me. You've blessed me. <laughs> Freddie said, what are you going to do when a man just won't quit loving you? They ended up, because the, the force was on the side of the one who came to the hospital instead of Freddie trying to get out to go find that man, their reconcili reconciliation of their friendship and relationship became tight un unto this very day. The prompting of the Spirit. He, he will tell you what, and he will let you know when. But here's the critical part of it. Your heart stays in the place of saying, Lord, show me me. Show me my part. Lord, I'm asking you to cause there to be the rising up within me of your love, your compassion for this one who has hurt me. Your heart, your heart. And Lord, give to me the ability to every time I remember something, every time it comes to mind, I just give it to you. My knee-jerk reaction spiritually, my reflex reaction is not to hold it, not to think about it, not to replay it. Here's your, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And I'm listening, Lord, for your spirit to prompt me as to what I need to do when I need to do it. Again, it's not about all relationships 
marriages being restored when there's been a second marriage, other things involved, or there's going to mean you're going to go back and, and assume your place of employment at a, at a company that's way in your rearview mirror. But the relationship, the relationship beyond marriage, beyond employment, beyond the immediate circumstances of friendship, it is that the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. And I miss you. I, I believe there was a time, we don't have it in the Scripture, but I believe there was part of the time when, when Paul got to missing Barnabas. He may never have had a man who cared for him and was willing to invest in him like Barnabas had. And Barnabas, missing Paul, I can't believe that guy. I can't believe how the Lord was using him. From the time that he met you, Jesus, on that road to Damascus, to the, to the, to, to the last things we've been through, power, 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 faith, faith coming out of him. I miss that. I miss that. I miss that. Okay, the, if the mountain of opposition was covered, the mountain of difference was covered, is there something about that brother or that sister that you find yourself in your spirit and your heart missing? Heaven is going to be the place where all the gaps are closed. I, I don't understand how all that's going to happen. Where there have been marriages and second marriages and second sets of kids and all of those things, how all of that is going to be. But I can tell you one thing for sure, there are not going to be any armed camps, the Hatfields versus the McCoys in glory. Somehow, somehow, the ability to forgive and let go and appreciate each other as my brother, as my sister in Jesus. Lord, I just got to ask you, I feel, I feel so strongly that you're wanting to do some things in the hearts of your people today. And I ask you to just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it right now, right now as we listen to this. Holy Spirit, move within the hearts of your people to bring release, to bring forgiveness. Lord, we confess the sin of holding on to our grudges and holding on to our offenses instead of immediately placing them at the foot of the cross and not carrying them anymore. Dear Spirit of the resurrected Savior, Will you do your work to free us, to heal us in our part so that we are ready when you want to complete the rest of it should you choose to do that in this life? We forgive. We pray that the love of God would cover all the wrongs flowing from my heart. The Lord, you'd keep us at the place of listening, of listening for you to correct us and speak to us. And then, Lord, we ask you to prompt us as to what to do. If this is the time, prompt us as to what to do. So that when should there come an email? Should there come? Maybe you're doing something from the other end, and when we hear some outreach, feel some indication 
that, Lord, it will not be wasted on us. We would receive it. Lord, give us the heart of Barnabas to love in the face of great offense. Give us that heart, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, say his name with me, please, in the name of Jesus. Let's say it again, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Would you stand with me, please? Streaming family, we bless you. We know you've been a part with us today. We sense your support. We sense your presence. In a moment, I want to just speak that blessing that, that we do weekly, that number six blessing. But as I speak it to you, I want you to hear it as the Lord desiring to bless you with the ability to forgive, to bless you with the ability to hear him when he prompts that he would bless us with what he knows we need. He is not a stingy, grumpy, cranky father. He loves you. He loves you freely. The only thing that can hold back his blessings, at least one of the ways the blessings can be held back is that we doubt that that's his heart. And we transfer what we have had maybe in an earthly father or the lack of an earthly father onto our heavenly father. He is not that. He loves you unconditionally forever. And he delights when we draw near to him with that understanding in our hearts of who he is. Help me, Daddy. Help me, Father. You know what I can't do, and I'm asking you to help me with what only you can help me with. And he will. He will. He will. Would you just stretch out your arms, just your hands, receive this blessing. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. In the name of the Father, in the name of his Son, Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, receive it, receive it, receive it. Prayer partners, if you'll join me here at the front so we will be ready to pray for any of you in the room that we can pray with, streaming family, Pastor Walker, alamocity.org, just a paragraph or a sentence of how we can be praying for you, and then we will count on you letting us know when there has come a breakthrough or there is improvement. It encourages our faith as it does yours. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. I hope you'll leave this place listening, Lord. Is there anything that you're wanting to, you are prompting me to do in the direction of the place of my broken, a broken relationship? If he's prompting you, just go ahead and do it in faith, believing that he'll honor it. But knowing that if there's no response, your heart is right this way. And you can walk in the joy of the Lord's presence. 
whether anything is recovered out there, this is the most important relationship and the place of blessing. Amen. Amen. Hug somebody's neck if they look like they need it, walking out of here. And God bless you for being in this house and with us today. We'll see you next time.